The following program is paid for by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 1071, AZBK 0910184. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Absolute Mortgage. Visit absoluteloans.com or call 888-90-HOMES for cost information. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage. Now in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome to The Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, July 23rd show. I am your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's local events and how it affects our economy and your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but I'm here to answer any questions that you have or connect you with the guests that I have on the show today. Please call at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And the lineup for the show today is Tony Sablon with New York Life. Eagle Strategies. We're going to be talking about financial planning for widows. Also in studio, Barb Pexa with Keller Williams Realty. We're going to talk about sellers in today's real estate market. And last guest in studio, Greg Nunn with None Better Tax Resolution for Tax Problems. That's what we're discussing with Greg today. Any of your tax problems. Great information and great guest in studio. For more information on any topics discussed or topics that you'd like to hear in future shows, please call the show. 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 555-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And today, as always, we'll start out with a little money chat. Money. Money. I thought I would talk to any of my potential buyers out there that might have challenges coming in with a down payment for a home. Interest rates, yes, again, we have hit another historical low. I know it's crazy, but it's the truth. They are lower than they have been in all history of mortgage interest rates. So it's a really great time to get in and purchase. And there are options and grant programs available. Now, the program I want to go over is the Home Advantage Program through the Washington State Housing Finance Commission. You do not have to be a first-time home buyer to qualify for this particular grant program. There are other grant programs that have different restrictions, uh, but this one, you do not have to be a first-time home buyer. You do have to be owner-occupying the property, so this does have to be your primary residence. It can't be an investment property or a second home. Now, the Washington State Housing Finance Commission offers down payment assistant programs, tax credits, all kinds of um, assistant programs for first-time and not first-time home buyers. Uh, this one's a down payment assistance. It's 4% of your loan amount. Now, it's a zero down. You can get into a home with a zero down payment because utilizing a conventional 3% down payment loan or utilizing an FHA 3.5% down payment, if you've got 4% to work with, 4% of whatever your loan amount is, that's going to cover the down payment. So it allows you to get in to a home with zero down. Now, when you're selling the home or refinancing it, you are going to pay this back. So it's not a grant that you don't have to pay back. There are grants av- available that you don't 
don't have to pay back with different terms and restrictions on it. Uh, but this one that I'm talking about through the uh, Housing Commission Home Advantage Program, you do have to pay it back. And the benefits is that, again, you don't have to be a first-time home buyer, just owner-occupying the property. There are no recapture tax uh, to the program. So a lot of the down payment assistance and grant programs, there's recapture tax that you're going to pay in some situations depending on how much you benefited for the program. The Home Advantage Program does not have a recapture tax. And it's really easy as far as income qualification. It's $97,000 a year. Any county in Washington State... 97,000. So uh, some other programs, it's based on household, uh, depending on the county that you're purchasing. This one is just straightforward, 97,000. Now, if you make, and that's the maximum, so this is set up for people that need it to qualify based on income restrictions. Now, if you're purchasing with someone else, a spouse or a partner, or anyone else is going to be on the loan with you, and the two incomes combined go over the maximum income restriction of $97,000. It is not based on household income. It's based on application income, income that's on the application. So if that extra $30,000, let's say in this example that your spouse makes, puts you over the $97,000, but your income is under the $97,000, leave the spouse off the loan application and their income would not be included in the maximum income restriction. Here's the only uh, key piece to that is you have to be able to qualify with just the income that's remaining on the application. So as long as you don't need that second income to qualify, then you're okay. Now, also, it's going to be based on what the lender's income calculation is, not needs assessment. A lot of the grant programs, you may have done research on it and found out that you made too much income because they're looking at all of the potential income that comes into the household. Uh, if you're making commissions, regardless if you have a history of receiving them or not, they're going to assume that you're going to continue making it. So it's a, it's a maximum income calculation. On this one, it's based, It's not based on needs assessment. It's based on a conservative income calculation based on what the lender is going to use. So that can sometimes help you in some of the other programs you may not be able to qualify, qualify based on the income calculation. Now, it's at a 0% interest rate, so you're not paying any interest for the program. You do have to pay it back. But again, if it was a $10,000 grant, at the end of the 30 years, or if you sell or refinance your home, you're gonna pay that $10,000 back, but you don't owe anything addition because it's at a 0% interest rate, as well as there's no payment. Now, I do wanna give you just a breakdown here of the cash that you would need to purchase. Let's just say you're looking at a condo for 250,000 and you are using an FHA 3.5% down payment loan. The down payment would be $8,750. Now, you still do have to come up with closing costs and prepaids. A good estimate is maybe 3%, so that would be $7,500. So the that would be the amount that you would actually need to purchase the home. Uh, in this market, because of the lack of inventory that we're having, there's just not a lot of availability it, to do some of the creative things that you might have been able to do before as far as in asking the seller to pay for that. That chances that's not going to happen. 
maybe there's an option to increase the price, but you really need to go back to your real estate expert and see if that's uh, is if that's going to put your offer in jeopardy in a multiple offer scenario. We do happen to have a real estate expert in studio today, so you can ask questions to uh, her regarding that. Now, the interest rate uh, attached to the first mortgage is going to be a little bit, the mortgage that's not the grant program is going to be a little bit higher. You might be looking at a quarter, maybe a half a percent higher than wherever the market interest rates are at for for attaching that grant program, uh, the grant towards the down payment. Uh, Credit score qualification, 620, so not a challenging credit score to be able to meet that. And it's just a great way to get in to a home, again, if you're short on funds for down payment. Any questions that you have regarding loan programs, different options that are available to you, that's my expertise. That's what I do as I do mortgages. Feel free to uh, call the show 1-855-411-50, or you can always request information or connect with me uh, by going to the moneyhour.com. And coming up next, whether you're married for five or 50 years, adjusting to a life as a widow can be devastating if you're not prepared ahead of time. Tony Sablon with New York Life Eagle Strategies right here on 1150 AM KKNW after the short break. Are you near retirement? Recently transferred to a new job and wondering what to do with your old 401k? Are you interested in learning about how to create a defensive and offensive strategy for your financial plan? Tony Sablon of Eagle Strategies can help you analyze your current financial plan, life insurance, and investments. Tony Sablon has helped hundreds of individuals, families, and business owners bring clarity to their financial plan. This is Tony Sablon with Eagle Strategies. To learn more about my practice, call me at 425-586-0977 or reach me online at ultimatewealthstrategies.com. To receive a free consultation, call me at 425-586-0977 or reach me online at Tony Sablon at eaglestrategies.com. Again, that's 425-586-0977 or reach me online at Tony Sablon at EagleStrategies.com. The following material is presented for informational and sales purposes only and represents our understanding of generally applicable rules. It is not intended and does not set forth solutions to individual situations. New York Life Insurance Company, its agents or employees may not give legal, tax, or accounting advice. And none is intended nor should be inferred from the information herein. Clients should consult their own professional advisors prior to implementing any planning strategies. This material includes a discussion of one or more tax-related topics prepared to assist in the promotion or marketing of the transactions or matters addressed. It is not intended and cannot be used by any taxpayer for the purpose of avoiding any IRS penalties that may be imposed upon the taxpayer. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. Sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, July 23rd show. It's a great day to talk money. That's why I'm here with you and what the show is all about, how to make money, how to save money and have a better quality of life for you and your family. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but you can call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 411150 or online at themoneyhour.com. And in studio right now, I have Tony Sablon with New York Life Eagle Strategies. And we're going to be talking about financial planning for widows. Tony, thank you so much for coming back and enjoying me, joining me in studio. 
Well, thank you, Tina. It was great to see you again. And a little bit about Tony. Uh, Tony is a wealth advisor with Eagle Strategies, LLC. He's also the founder of Ultimate Wealth Strategies based in Bellevue, Washington. Tony works with individuals, families, and business owners to identify what motivates them, what keeps them up at night, and then focuses on financial solutions that can help them reach their goal and their reality. He not only relies on his own knowledge and expertise, but also the expertise of his team and specialists. His mission is to develop enduring relationships with his clients, providing expert guidance pertaining to life insurance strategies, investments, and upgrading people's financial plans. Tony is also a soon-to-be author for his financial planning book uh, coming out in the fourth quarter of this year. So, Tony, it's an interesting uh, uh, topic, something that I haven't discussed with you before and uh, excited to share this uh, with my listeners. We're going to be talking about financial planning for widows. Uh, Tony, it looks like we've had some, it's it's really interesting topic today, and financial planning for widows. Yeah, definitely. And this topic is near and dear to me and is also one of the reasons why I'm in the business of helping folks with their financial planning. Um, Dad passed away when I was young and left the family with nothing, and Mama had to work hard to raise five boys. So God bless her. Yeah. And so so glad you found motivation to help my listeners with their financial uh, planning. Could you share some uh, statistics on widows, what what they go through when they lose their spouse? Yeah. So a recent survey indicated that women are often unprepared for the financial difficulty of losing a spouse. And among women whose spouses had life insurance when they died, the life insurance proceeds lasted almost two and a half years. Wow. Uh, But they wish they would have lasted longer ideally that number is 14 years uh, is what they wish they would have had enough income for and then 68 percent of women report uh, significant life changes after the death of a spouse uh, with financial concerns at the top of the list so tony what about the the women that feel secure about their family finances and had their spouses handle all of the the finances. Well, feeling secure isn't the same as being secure. Yes. Uh, 77% of women reported feeling secure about their finances before the death of their spouse, mm-hmm. but were faced with a very different picture afterwards. Uh, some of the married couples I see usually have either the husband or wife handle the family finances, and more often than not, the person not handling the finances is unaware of what their financial picture looks like or where to find information when an impactful event such as death happens. Uh, Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, it would be a good idea to be involved with the discussion and at least be aware of where the family finances are. So, Tony, I know that there's um, the top five things that can happen with a significant other when they pass. Can you share those with my listeners? When the husband or wife dies based on the survey, women were more impacted by the loss of a spouse. The top five life changes after a spouse has left are adjusting to a change of income, budgeting for one income, cutting discretionary spending, not able to afford a vacation, and not saving enough for retirement. Those are the top five life changes that happen. So all women out out there should be more involved with the family finance and financing decisions. That makes common sense and really have a plan so that their lifestyle doesn't have to change drastically, really putting things together so they know what their situation is and plan out for the future if that were to happen, correct? Correct. So two in five women whose spouses did not have life insurance reported that they struggled to meet basic needs 
within the first year of the death of their spouse. Mm-hmm. 59% of women reported they didn't have enough uh, life insurance in place to feel financial, financially secure. And 47%, 47% of women report they wish they had, more, had some or more life insurance to help cushion the impact of their loss. So when it comes to the main thoughts and in top to bottom order, the respondents were, I wish we had more life insurance, that's number one. I wish Mm -hmm. we had saved more. I wish we had detailed discussions about what might happen financially if one of us passed. And I wish we had a better financial plan in place. And lastly, I wish we had organized all our important papers in one place. So taking an hour out of your month to discuss your financial security with your loved one can save you years mm-hmm. of heartache um, and financial security. Yeah, so if you're, uh, for all the women's listening to the show right now, you definitely don't want to be back saying, I wish, I wish, you know, and it really is all about planning. And that's what the show's about. It's bringing in experts so you know how to plan for all areas regarding your finances because uh, tragedies, unexpected things come up and you can definitely get through it and get through it in uh, an easier fashion when you plan ahead. So, Tony, what are some basic financial planning tools that could that you can have in place so that my women that are listening to the show can be more secure. Uh, one of the things you could do is create a solid foundation by having enough life insurance on yourself and on your spouse. This should be top of mind if you're a single parent. No other financial vehicle will give, you, give your family more dollars for the pennies you exchange for it. Uh, number two, take stock of your retirement, whether it is an IRA or 401k. If you don't have one, have a discussion with your spouse on setting one up for yourself and ensure that you are diversified in that aspect as well. And then also know your family budget. What are your monthly expenses? What are the necessary bills that need to be paid? And also have in mind a budget that just shows you the bare essentials that would that it would take for yourself and the family to live. And lastly, have an emergency savings of at least six months or one year's worth of savings so that you have liquidity to handle immediate expenses that may arise. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you're really looking at the budgeting, the money that's going out, you have to look in the future as well with inflation and what's going to be happening with those costs. And I would imagine, uh, Tony, as a financial planner, you've got some pretty great tools that you can help forecast to see uh, what's going to be coming up for these women in the future and what their expenses are, the income that they're going to need to have to keep those, is that correct? Definitely. Yeah. So, what do you see with your with your clients right now? What are the biggest mistakes that uh, that are happening, Tony? Or I guess I shouldn't say with your clients because your clients are not making mistakes. But what do you see in general <laughs> that that you're helping people to ensure that they're not getting uh, stuck in that trap? So what I'm what I'm seeing is there there isn't enough of that solid foundation. Mm-hmm. So when you think about building a house, um, you build a strong foundation. Correct. Mm-hmm. Now, if you didn't have that strong foundation and a storm came, that house will go away. Yes. So in the same respect, when you think about your your financial planning and your investments, what is what it, what vehicle or tools do you have to secure the investments you have mm-hmm. or at least mitigate any uh, uh, volatility in the market? 
right. makes sense. And so, you know, really you should have the two plans looking at hopefully um, uh, both you and your spouse stay uh, around for a long time. So having that plan out of what that looks like with those two incomes and going out into the future and where you need to be, what savings you need to have, what life insurance policy and all of that. Um, and as well, if you were to lose one of those incomes. So it's not just about having one plan. It's about having those multiple plans, not knowing what road you're going to end up going down. Correct? That's correct. Yeah. So what advice would you give my women? This, this show is for women and for men. It was just today we wanted to uh, uh, to share and, and thank you for putting some extra, extra focus on uh, my women listeners. But what would be the biggest advice that you'd have right now uh, for them? So... <clears throat> Have a plan in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to have everything in place to set one set one up. And that plan also does not have to be perfect. You just need to take action and create one for when either your husband or wife or both don't make it home one day. Also, for those not involved with the family finances, you don't have to be intimately involved with the financial plan. At least be aware of where documents are stored mm-hmm. and how to access accounts if need be. And then also having a state directory that shows you a list of numbers to contact and where everything is when uh, one of you don't make it home one day. And lastly, I'll leave you with, if you think that everything is taken care of, it never hurts to have a second opinion on your family financial plan, as some advisors only focus on pieces of of the plan, whether that be the insurance side Mm -hmm. or the risk management or the accumulation side, such as the investments, 401k, whatnot. But find someone that will have a holistic and comprehensive view of your plan. Yeah, it makes it makes total sense. Tony, how often are you? Uh, do you meet with your clients? Are you meeting with them on an annual basis to do an annual review, or how do you normally structure that with your uh, clients? So depending on the client, I'll meet with them either monthly, quarterly, uh, twice a year, or okay. annually. It just depends on how you want to interact. Uh, but most folks like at least three to. Uh, three check-ins a year. So if there's a husband and wife and the husband is taking care of majority of the, the finances, do you accept, suggest that the wife comes along with those at those meetings as well? Yes, definitely. Yes. And I, and I wanted, you know, I wanted them to hear it from you, uh, not from me, but you know, even if you're, if your husband does take care of the finances, being involved in those financial meetings, if we're, you're talking on a quarterly basis or a couple times a year to get an understanding of what's happening and to be able to ask questions in, and, you know, really have a good, a good picture, um, of what's going on with your finances. Definitely. Yeah. So, Tony, uh, what's happening in the market today? What's you know what are you uh, what are you advising your? I know if we're not really here to talk about advice and what to do because it's on a personal basis and what their plan looks like. But um, what's happening in your arena? So, in my arena, a lot of things that are that uh, people are, are appreciating is guaranteed income, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of retirees. There are about you know approximately you know, trillion. Uh, of assets transferring from one generation to the next. Uh-huh. And then also you have people retiring and people are living longer. So what vehicle can protect my income mm-hmm. and also make it last a lifetime? And, you know, annuities get a bad rap, but there's, there's also some good ones out there. Mm-hmm. So really it's just about sitting down with your financial planner and having a more comprehensive look at your portfolio. And it's, you know, it's having a uh, diversify, making sure that you're covered in, in all areas. And I've said before on the show, there's a lot of uh, products and, you know, every product out there has uh, good points and not. And it's figuring out the right product that fits your financial plan and what you're trying to accomplish. Correct. And, you know, you wouldn't have all your money in, 
in one bucket. Mm-hmm. So annuities are one thing, insurance is, is one thing, your 401k is another, your IRA is another bucket of money, uh-huh. your social security is another bucket of money, your home yes. and your home equity. So it's really about taking all the buckets of money you have, designing a strategy to best efficiently withdraw the money. Yes. Because, I mean, you you want to spend your money at the end of the day. Exactly. And not just watch it grow, right? You want to spend it wisely. <laughs> yes. And you do, you know, with uh, uh, me in the mortgage arena, I know with a, a lot of times in clients from their financial planner, you're talking with a client and sending them over to talk with their mortgage professional as well. Because now that we've got equity back uh, in our properties, low interest rates, it might be a good time for you to take a look at pulling some uh, resources out of your home and uh, reallocating that into, you know, an area that's going to help you plan for the future. Um, so if you're listening to the show and you want uh, any advice, either on the mortgage side or the financial uh, side, you can just call the show at one 855 or go online at themoneyara.com. Uh, we can connect you uh, directly with Tony uh, or myself. Tony, thank you so much for coming back in studio. Uh, really appreciate it and look forward to uh, having you back again soon. Thank you, Tina. It's great being here. Coming up in the Money Hour, are you a seller in today's real estate market? What do you need to know about pre-inspections? We'll have Barb Paxa with Keller Williams Realty right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Love to golf while supporting children and seniors in our community? Join us at the Seattle King County Realtors Charity Golf Tournament August 1st at Fairwood Golf and Country Club in Renton. Proceeds will benefit two of our most deserving local charities, Sound Generation Senior Services and the Byrne Children's Recovery Foundation. This fundraiser is presented by Seattle King County Realtors Affiliates and Young Professionals Network. For more information and to sign up for your tea time, go to nwrealtor.com. Mom, Dad, let's talk. It seems like only yesterday your parents were offering you advice, but now you could be the one in a position to help them. Do they have a plan for the future? Can they afford a comfortable retirement? How would they handle a long-term care event? Are they prepared emotionally and financially for their future? Starting those conversations can be challenging, but I can send you some materials to help you say, let's talk. Call me, Janet Greeling, at Genworth Financial PNW Insurance Services, and I'll send you the Let's Talk Guide free of charge. Please call 206-240-8274. Again, 206-240-8274. Or go to our website at www.pacificnwagency.com. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. Sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to the Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, July 23rd show. I'm here to help you build a strong financial blueprint one week and one show at a time. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast to talk with the guest I have in studio. If you want to chat with me, you can call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. In studio right now, first time I've had her in studio, Barb 
Texa with Keller Williams Real Estate. We're going to be talking about sellers in today's real estate market. Barb, thank you so much for joining me in studio. Thanks for having me, Tina. I appreciate it. And a little bit about Barb. Uh, Barb and her team specialize in the Eastside Residential Real um, real Sale and Property throughout the I-90 corridor in Bellevue and Snoqualmie. Barb has spent many years exploring Eastside homes with her clients and has a firm understanding of the Eastside neighborhoods and what each has to offer her buyers and how the market homes how the market homes and get great results for her sellers. Barb represents buyers and sellers and her skill across the board has been honored over a decade by buying and selling a multitude of homes as well as through acquiring a half a dozen of her own properties. Uh, Barb, more than 80% of Barb's new business comes by way of referrals from Satisfy's clients, which is a strong testament to her connection that she has with her clients and her esteemed service. Barb has also been recognized in Seattle Magazine as a five-star professional. The award recognizes those who provide quality service to their clients. And Barb is driven to satisfy her clients and helps them exceed their goals. She was a competitive swimmer who represented Guam in 1992 Olympic Games and same resolve, determination, and focus drive uh, that she gets now as evidence that how she works and represents her buyers and sellers today. I didn't know that, Barb. That's that's really impressive. I didn't realize it was on there. <laughs> <laughs> See, you never know what uh, type of buyer we're going to bring into studio. Well, I'm, I'm really excited about our topic. I'm, I'm excited to talk to our sellers out there. I do want to uh, disclose, as I mentioned in your, buyer, you do, or your bio, you do work with buyers and sellers. Mm-hmm. But today in my conversation with you is really around sellers um, and what's happening in the market and specifically with pre-inspections. So what services do you provide to help your sellers get ready for the market that we're in today, Barb? Sure. And we've been pre-inspecting our houses for quite a few years. This uh-huh. market um, has shifted quite a bit. As we know, every house that we're selling is getting multiple offers. Uh-huh. Um, and we decided to proactively change the way our process was going, not only for our team, but for our seller's experience. Um, in a typical market, the buyer makes an offer. It comes to mutual acceptance with the seller. And then the seller, I'm sorry, the seller and the buyer have a 10-day period where the buyer has the right to have an inspection. Uh-huh. For this topic, I refer to that as a walk clause because in this topic, I'm referencing that I'm representing my sellers and I do not want my buyers, uh, my sellers in the position where they have a walk clause on their contract. And so we turned the system around a little while ago and we did started doing pre-inspections of all our properties and we give those out to the buyers and their agents. It's public knowledge for us. Um, We feel like we disclose, 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 and we're better arming our sellers to get through the process that way. So when you're doing the pre-inspection, just for the uh, the listener of the show, it's sellers going out and getting their own home mm-hmm. inspection. Mm-hmm. So then the buyers, when they're coming in making offers, they're not allowed to get in- inspections. They can have their own inspection, but okay. we're, we are not going subject to inspection. Got it. Okay. They can do it on sense. their own terms. We're not doing it while we are under contract. I, okay. I believe my sellers lose their leverage in that scenario. Makes total sense. Mm-hmm. So uh, anything else that you can pl- explain on why or a reason behind doing the pre-inspections? Absolutely. Um, in my experience, when a buyer has a repair that they find that they need to have done, that they uh-huh. want the seller to done, the buyer always estimates twice as much as it actually costs. Yes. Um, so I want to save my seller money, okay. for one. Um, I want to make it smoother because I don't want to have deals fall apart, transactions mm-hmm. fall apart. Um I really like to control the process. If my seller has the time in advance to do the repairs or get the bids, it's definitely on our terms rather than the buyer's terms. Uh 
Um, in a typical sale, by the time you get your contract offered, accepted, and you go to close, it's 30 days. There's a lot going on in those 30 days. The last thing my sell- I want my seller in the position to do is to try and scramble around and add that much more to their plate when we can eliminate all of that before we even hit the market. Makes total sense. I think that's so key, uh, Barb, for the sellers listening right now. What a huge benefit because once the offer is accepted and you've got to go back and try to renegotiate based on issues coming up, definitely the buyer has the upper hand there, not mm-hmm. the seller. So because you you may hear somebody go, well, gosh, I you know I why would I want to let the buyer know what issues? They're going to find out what the issues are. So you want to find out up front. I agree. There's only about I think from what I can tell, maybe ten percent of us that are pre-inspecting our homes, and a lot of agents will tell you, well, I don't want my seller to know about those things. Yes. Well. I cry foul on that because uh-huh. every buyer's inspector is going to find the same issues. Yes. Why not find them out on my terms, on the yeah. seller's terms, um, and then we can control the process. We can get the bids done. And there's a lot of times we don't actually do all the repairs. That's not what I'm advocating for. Uh-huh. I have a lot of sellers that might say, I don't have the money to do any repairs. Well, that's I, I, that's fine, too. Everything can sell at the right price. Exactly. So a pre-inspection allows me to either set the price right from the beginning if there uh-huh. is a big issue um, or sometimes we just get bids because the other thing that scares buyers is the unknown. I sell mm. houses all the time with significant issues, but if it's a significant issue that's unknown, that's a different story than a significant issue that we have bids to provide to the buyer along with our buyers and insp- with our pre-inspection report. Uh, it makes total sense. So what about the closing process when a seller is doing a pre-inspection uh, before listing the home so that they're prepared? How is that changing and bringing the benefits to the closing process? Tremendously. Okay, can you share that so with my listeners? So instead of going subject, what we call subject to inspection, where then the buyer has that walk, what I call the walk clause, uh-huh. um, we're going straight to pen and that means the very next day the buyer can order their appraisal. So we're shaving off yes. 10 to 15 days on the closing process because we're not having all that round of negotiations yep. if something does come up on the inspection report. Um, in Washington State, a buyer can go through and do an inspection and not like the, a scratch on the wall and can mm-hmm. terminate based on that. It's Crazy. it's it's really buyer's discretion. Yeah. Um, so the fact that we can eliminate that whole 10 to 15 days is huge mm-hmm. in both the hassle factor of the closing yes. and the just the general smoothness and timeliness of it. Yeah, and uh, you know the, the appraisal are there. There are chal- time challenges mm-hmm. that are coming up with the uh, the lack of appraisers out there and mm-hmm. all the. Uh, all the stuff that's going on in the market. So you've talked a little bit, but I want to go in a, a little bit more on this about, you know, the agents that are not doing this and why they wouldn't be doing it. But what would you say a percentage that are actually doing the pre-inspections? From what we're guessing, it looks like about 10% of buyer or sellers are doing their pre-inspections. Um, you'll talk to a lot of agents that will say that they don't want their agents to know or their sellers to know certain things in advance. But mm-hmm. my feeling is, is the buyer's inspector is going to find it. Yes. Um, I also believe that it protects my seller because if we're disclosing everything, in fact, we're disclosing things we didn't know about because the inspector is finding things mm-hmm. that the seller often didn't know about. So I also feel like it's protecting my sellers from any disclosure issues on the seller disclosure statement. That makes it that makes sense as well. So are there any other reasons why the other 90% would not be 
doing pre-inspections. They don't want to change the way they do business. Yeah, and I feel like things the same way. You know, we change things all the time because yes. the market constantly changes. Are we in a seller's market, a buyer's market, a balanced yeah. market? This system, actually, we did it. We were doing it even in a slow market uh-huh. um, because we still want to control the process and we still want to make it a smoother process. Well, when you're, when you're in negotiation, it is all about who has more control. Mm, absolutely. We're right in any type of negotiation. I, joking, I jokingly sort of tell my sellers, I'm a control uh-huh. freak, yes. but it's on your behalf. You know, yeah, I, you I want, it, I'm a control freak because I want to make it easy for them. Yes. You know, there's nothing more disheartening than you accept an offer and you get through the inspection and it's 15 days later mm-hmm. and the seller's moving on mentally and they're yeah. packing up. And then we fail an inspect, quote unquote, fail an inspection. And here we are going back on the market. And in that scenario, sellers almost never get what they got on the first round of offers. Yes. And so that's a detriment to my sellers to go back on the market. So how, when the buyers that are coming in, what would you say the percentage of buyers on in your listings when you're representing the seller, you're doing the pre-inspection, what do you say the percentage of the buyers are actually going and getting their own inspection? They are not. Yes. Yeah, um, and so that's another benefit too as well, Barb, right? Because if you've got 20 people looking at the home or 10 doing these their own pre-inspection, mm-hmm. they're doing the pre-inspection prior to, and you've got all these inspectors coming into the home. Mm -hmm. That's craziness. It's hard on the house. My record was I was once with my inspector on an inspection for a buyer of mine and there were eight inspections happening on the home at Uh the same time. There were 16 of us in the house because there was an agent and a buyer and, and a buyer's agent all inspecting the home at the same time. A, that's hard on it. Uh-huh. The other thing is, is in the industry, I feel like it's my job partly to protect the market because buyers are getting what we call buyer fatigue. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. I've had buyers spend $2,200 in yeah. inspections because they had to do six inspections before they won a house. Yeah. Because right now it's almost impossible to have an inspection contingency. And so now what's happening is, is buyers are going out inspecting four, five, six homes before they win a home. Well, that's a disservice to our the whole real estate economy as well because sure. those people are going to start sitting out the market. Yeah. And that's not good for my sellers either. Well, maybe there'll be a time when they're, they're constantly changing things. It'll be a requirement for a seller to have to do a pre-inspection. Who, who knows? Whole nother uh, topic. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit about the repairs, and, and but let's say that there is a, a really big repair. What mm-hmm. are the options for the seller? Sure. So we can actually get the work done, of course. Um, if the seller has the funds to do it, we can they can pay for it in advance. There's also some vendors that'll get paid out of closing. So as long as it's a significant issue and it can get paid fairly relatively quickly after closing, vendors will get paid that way. Uh Lots of times we just get bids for it, again, to eliminate the unknown, or we just price it as is. So Barb, what about staging? What are you doing with your uh, your sellers for staging mm-hmm. the property? So I tend to do more for my sellers than I think almost any agent does. So uh-huh. we do the pre-inspections. I cover that cost. I meet the inspector there. We stage our homes. I send my cleaners through. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's all about proper presentation of a home. It sounds sort of weird, but it's not about marketing right now because every home is getting marketed. I mean, it's really sort of a level playing field. I can't set myself apart by saying I'm a better marketing vehicle Uh or better agent than anybody else because everything's online. So for me, I have to help my sellers properly present their home, which I think is far more important than marketing it in this market. Mm -hmm. Um, So we do send our stagers through. Um, I do a lot of my own staging. We carry inventory. Um, If I have to bring a stager in, we, we, we front that cost for the seller. Um, and things sell 
relatively quickly, but all of it is presentation of the house right now. And the presentation of the home is what's going to bring in the multiple buyers. It's going to, you know, bid up that house Mm -hmm. and ultimately get the seller a higher net. And isn't that what it's all about? Absolutely. That's what I'm in business for is to get my seller's top dollar. Unless you're working for the buyer. (laughs) Yeah, that's a different story. But today is all sellers. Exactly. (laughs) So what are you seeing um, with with inventory, uh, Barb, in our our area here? Are you seeing that we're... Inventory is getting better or... Inventory did come up, I feel like, right before the 4th of July weekend. Uh-huh. Um, things I feel like have not slowed, but have gotten slightly more manageable. And what I mean by that, instead of selling in four days, we're selling in seven days. Uh-huh. Um, instead of one house coming on a week for each of my buyers, we might be seeing three or four houses a week. So okay. I tend to be less... Um, specific with the numbers and uh, monitoring absorption rates. But in my personal uh-huh. business, I'm seeing that we're, we've got more inventory and it's not quite as frenzied. Yeah. So that's good. Um, we're going to wrap up the, my time here, Barb, but I want to leave with a, a challenge. So in a seller's arena, what challenge are they having and what should they be doing to, and I guess I could just answer it right now because this is about pre-inspection, but outside, I mean, a big challenge is dealing with the inspection issue and you're the, the solution to that is get a pre-inspection. Anything else that you can advise uh, my sellers? Yeah, I really think it's, again, it's about general presentation of it. You've got to have them cleaned. I send my cleaner mm-hmm. through. I got tired of seeing thinking white glove clean meant something different to each of my sellers. And, you know, because it, with buyers, it's not about necessarily always how it looks. It's about how it feels. Yes. And it's all those things that make the house feel good. Mm-hmm. And women buy on those feelings. Men yeah. tend to buy more on the numbers. So you got to have, you got to speak to both of those personalities. Makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Barb, thank you so much for joining me in studio and uh, talking with my listeners. You're welcome. Thanks, Tina. Coming up next to the money are tax problems and how to avoid them. Greg Nunn with None Better Tax Resolution right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Curiosity changes the world. What are you curious about? What if you could discover how to be more, do more, and have more? Not sometime in the future, in the right now. You will discover practical tools on May 7th at the Tea Palace in Renton that create hope, growth, and purpose in the moment. Join Ringmaster Danny Wynn as he takes you on a musical, entertaining, and transformative adventure intertwined with eight successful thought leaders who will present on different aspects of productively living your dream now. Take a break from your routine, get out of your normal day-to-day, and discover what is truly possible for you. If not now, when? Proceeds benefit our local youth suicide prevention program. When you sign up now, you not only get to discover how to live your best life, your investment can save a life. Go to thatcuriositything.com and sign up today. That's thatcuriositything.com. Still curious? Again, thatcuriositything.com. Are you behind in filing your tax returns? Does the IRS claim you owe them money, but you can't pay? Are you getting nasty grams from the IRS? Are you losing sleep? Please know your tax problems can be solved. Work locally and actually meet the person that'll help you with your tax problems and not some faceless national firm. Call None Better Tax Resolution today at 1-844-SOS-1040 for a free confidential consultation. Again, call 844-SOS-1040 today and start fixing your tax problems so you can sleep peacefully. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. Sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. 
Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, July 23rd show. I bring into studio each week the best of the best experts in our local market on everything regarding your money. I'm here to help you in today's economy. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can call the show at 1-855-411-50 or go online at themoneyhour.com. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And right now uh, in studio, Greg Nunn with None Better Tax Resolution. We're going to talk about taxpayer identity theft. Greg, thank you for coming back in studio. Thank you, Tina. Good to see you again. And a little background on Greg. Gregory Nunn is founder and principal of Nunn Better Tax Resolution in Redmond, Washington. The first firm of tax resolution specialists in Washington State. His passion is helping people that find themselves in a predicament with the IRS due to failing to file tax returns and or not paying what the IRS claims they owe. He represents these troubled taxpayers vigorously before the IRS. His practice also provides tax preparation and tax planning for individuals and businesses. Uh, Greg is a licensed CPA in the state of Washington and has been in the industry for 30 years. He is a member of the American Society of Tax Problem Solvers, the premier association of professionals helping troubled taxpayers. He has received the top practitioner award for the American Society of Tax Problem Solvers, and he is also a certified tax resolution specialist. Greg has published his book titled Solve Your Tax Problems Now. Now let's just go ahead and start it right off with how many taxpayers experience identity theft. I'm afraid to hear the answer of this. Yeah, and really the answer is nobody knows for sure. Uh, but it's at least 1.4 million. I've heard some that it's over 2 million. And I mean, it's just a uh, rampant thing that's going on. Um, The amount of money that uh, folks have stole, if you will, from the U.S. government by getting false refunds is in excess of 6 billion. Billion, uh, would it be? Billion. Billion, billion. And I've heard (laughs) recently, I mean, there's been a lot in the nonprofit um, sector that's been affected by... um, um, Theft and gotcha. identity. Yeah, it's just very sad. So, Greg, uh, what is a taxpayer a taxpayer ID theft? It is when your Social Security number has been used by somebody else to okay. file a false tax return, a fraudulent tax return. So, obviously, they're filing someone's tax return that's going to be getting money back. Well, not necessarily, because what they do sometimes is they try to get a bunch of, of tax credits that are out there for people okay. that are low income like the child tax credit mm-hmm. or the earned income credit, and they, they just send a bazillion tax returns in, hope they get processed, and if they do, you know, hey, all of a sudden they got 5, 10, 15, 20, hundreds of thousands of dollars pouring into their account fraudulently. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, Greg, how will I know if I have a taxpayer ID theft and what are the warning signs? These are the sneak up on you kind of warning signs. Most taxpayer identity occurs and it takes some time before you even know that it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, way, the way that it often happens is you go to e-file your tax return uh-huh. and it gets rejected because it says, hey, there's already been a tax return filed under this social security number. If that happens, uh, you're probably 99% sure it's going to be ID theft. Got it. Um, and th- that's just a, a real bad deal. Um, another, a couple of other signs, you filed your tax return, but your refund is just not coming to you. Uh-huh. You know, what's going on? 
Um, that's another sign. And also the IRS might send you a letter indicating, hey, we're, we're looking at your tax stuff. Looks like there's some income and tax credits that just aren't jiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all those things are warning signs. But the biggest one really is attempting to e-file that tax return. So, Greg, what happens if you do have a tax uh, taxpayer ID theft? It's time to take action. Uh, don't bury your head in the sand. You know, if you're going to shed a few tears, fine, but get the Kleenex out, dry those tears off, and yeah. take some action. Makes total just like anything else. It's you want to deal with it right away and not you got to. And put it could it be off. one of these things that just keeps getting worse, decaying, if you will, your whole financial life. Uh, yeah. So, Greg, um, how do you notify the IRS of theft? Well, it's like any other theft. When we, uh, you know, have our house burglarized or something of that nature, we uh, file a police report. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing that needs to be done is to file a police report with your local police department that okay. you have had identity theft. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, uh, you also should notify or file a complaint, a formal complaint with the Federal Trade Commission. And then then there's a form the IRS wants you to file. It's an affidavit. It's form 14039, 14039, Affidavit of Identity Theft. And that's exactly what it is. You, you explain to them why you think you have identity theft, provide them the number of the police report that you reported mm-hmm. the uh, theft with, and it's a signed affidavit under penalties of perjury. So it's not something to take lightly to file that thing. But, hey, if you have identity theft, get that in there ASAP. Okay, and and Greg, so what about timing? Um, How long does it take for the IRS to process the identity theft? Are they taking their sweet old time? Keep in mind what we're talking about here. It's Uh the Internal Revenue Service that uh, it's it's hard to really understand what service means there anymore. Mm -hmm. And... It will take we much... Gotta be, we got to be careful what we're saying uh, over Mike here. We don't want to make the IRS mad. Well, you know, I, I love the IRS. I know you do. They're, you know, I'm not going to do a Donald Trump on you, but uh, <laughs> I do have a lot of good friends at the IRS, and they're just fantastic. Uh, seriously, there's a lot of good professionals there, without a doubt. But th- they are understaffed, and yes. it does take time to process these things. And they're really, frankly, I think more interested in collecting revenue yes. than they are trying to help people with so identity there's not theft. So there's not a fast pace when something comes in that says theft that all the uh, red lights are going off to push that through the process a little quicker. Nothing of that nature. It's yeah. not like calling 911 and having the ambulance there within five minutes. It's going to take months. Wow. At least seven to nine months ordinarily. Okay. To, for them to process the whole thing. So let's talk about protection. So the best thing is to make sure that this doesn't happen to you so you don't have to go through that process. So how do you reduce the risk of becoming a taxpayer identity theft victim? Like many things in life, um, whether it be medical, car, insurance, or whatever it is, preemptive protection is the best defense against identity theft. And just think of the common things, you know, in life. That is, how many times do you go somewhere and they request your social security number? Mm -hmm. And we've all seen the ads, you know, on TV on the identity theft where they write down the person's social security number. And, hey, if you go somewhere, I would challenge them. Do you really need my social security number? And, you know, just don't willy-nilly give it out to anybody. It's, It's your number and it's unique to you, and if other people get it, especially in today's high-tech society, mm-hmm. look out. 
They're going to be doing their thing. Yeah. Some other things, of course, is the computer, right? Mm-hmm. We got to have good protection on our computer. You know, virus software, all of that good stuff. Make sure you keep it updated. Don't use the same password for every single login. Don't use the same password forever and ever mm-hmm. um, and not for every single login. <clears throat> Although I know some might use a simple one for sites that maybe aren't so... Uh, but I need to be remembered with it. the on the computers too. When you're interested in something, they give you this really cool thing. If you're interested in cats, you get access to the special thing. You put that password in to get access. And if you use that same password now, they just go try all your stuff. And sure enough, that password gets them in. So I had to, I always got, I was just going to say I had to learn that the hard way. That's not what I meant to say because I have not had identity theft, but I used to use the same password for everything. Yeah. And I went to a, I went to a, um, a presentation and it scared the jeebie out of me. Right. Uh, you know, so, so Greg, uh, what can you do? If you, what should you do if you receive a threatening phone call from the IRS? Thank God I haven't, uh, haven't yeah, had that happen yeah. either. But l- l- I want to come about back there? just a little bit with the computer thing because okay. the phishing stuff, you know, where you you get some kind of email that basically like what you just described. Yes, it's asking you for personal information. So these you can guys, have access to this really cool stuff. That's right. Yes, but there's guys out there now that will send out these emails, and and tax professionals are getting uh-huh. them. And they look and smell and taste yeah. like it is yes. really the IRS. Yeah. And then you click on their link, mm-hmm. and it does take you to the IRS site, but you're being channeled through their computer yeah. system, so Crazy. they're recording every freaking keystroke. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. And the phone calls. Threatening. Threatening phone Threatening calls Threatening phone calls. Man, we're going to send the sheriff to your house and you're under arrest and you owe us a bazillion dollars. And uh, These are bad fraud people, These are bad they? people. And yes. I tell you, they sound like pros. They're good. Because yeah. um, the IRS yeah. wouldn't do that. The IRS is not going to pick up the phone and threaten that they're going to send it to the police to your they house. They will do no threatening over the phone yes. like that whatsoever. Uh, they're more professional than that. And one tactic that these guys use is getting... Um, is putting that information on a voicemail because then if you listen to it mm-hmm. and you go, man, I better call back, you call back, it's like they've got a live lead now yeah. because you're responding to something and they're going, oh, great, this is a live one. And then you got all the all the bad guys out there coming yep. after you. They, they, um, every year I have clients that have indicated they get these phone calls. I've even yeah. received them and I do call them back and, and uh, harass them. Yeah, pretty scary, pretty scary, Greg. So, what about what do you, I hear about the IRS revoking passports? Well, this is interesting. The IRS, being one of the most powerful government agencies in the United States, mm-hmm. seems to continue to be given more power and more authority when they have a track record of abusing it even though they deny that they don't do that, but they do. So if a person owes over $50,000 in taxes and you're using that passport, the IRS can tag your passport that this person basically is a a delinquent taxpayer Uh and revoke that passport on site right then and there, boom, Hmm. over. They, again, the IRS indicates that it's primarily going to be for the use of, you know, things that they think that are drug dealers or or terrorists or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But human nature being what it is, it's like, man, I have this power. 
Yeah. I'm going to use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the unfortunate part. It's that human nature of when we get power, we tend to abuse it, uh, which is uh, unfortunate. Unfortunate. Yeah. So, Greg, in the identity theft process, where does your professional CPA come in? If something were to happen with Dave and I, uh, knock on wood, and and hopefully nothing ever does. But do we pick up the phone and call you? And you know how I'm I'm a good delegator, and I like to stay in my own space, what I'm good at. And so anything that's taxes, I just shift it right over to you. And is that what you should be doing? I would I would highly recommend that a person uh-huh. do that. Uh, I have. Uh, in the last several years, at least one or two clients every year mm-hmm. that have some sort of identity theft yep. uh, on their taxes. Yeah. And it's ordinarily us that find it. Like I say, when we go to e-file their return, boom, it gets rejected. Mm-hmm. And so then we notify our clients. Sometimes we know before they do. Yes. Uh, however, if they find out first, do call 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 me, Greg Nunn, CPA, at 1-800. No, that's 1-844-767-1040. And I'd be more than <laughs> oh, that's happy awesome. to help you. Yeah, it's, uh, So, Greg, we've got one minute before we go to okay. take a break. Final word for uh, my listeners. Final word is be cautious, be aware. Mm-hmm. And if you have any inkling, any kind of gut sense of identity theft of your social security number, check it out. Just yeah. check it out and see what's going on. It will prevent a lot of headaches in the future. Great advice. Greg, thank you so much for coming back in studio and look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you, Tina, so much. I really appreciate it. And this is your host. I'm signing off. Uh, Tina Mitchell right here on 1150 AMKKNW. I will be here next weekend, same time, same place. You guys have a great weekend. Thanks. The preceding program is paid for by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 1071, AZBK 0910184. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Absolute Mortgage. Visit AbsoluteLoans.com or call 888-90-HOMES for cost information.